0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. I am glad everyone joined me today for our podcast, and we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope for our listeners. So, thanks for joining us, and we love to hear stories of our female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center in Portland, Oregon. We sure will be missing Sarah Marshall today and look forward to her returning very soon. We want to thank our sponsor, Market of Choice, for supporting this broadcast, Masonia Marshall, and thank you for helping spreading the word about women food entrepreneurs. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local food entrepreneurs. So much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. We love you. So I do have some food news. Some of it will be a repetition from before, but it's super important. And I want to remind you about the regional food business centers that are all new and established in 12 different state regions across the U.S., with a mission to connect underserved food folks with their technical assistance and funding and to help make their food businesses to the next level. I also suggest that you connect with your State Department of Agriculture to learn about funding they may have to help you move your food idea forward. On a lighter note, here in Portland on October 26th at the Red on Salmon, the Portland Tree Fruit Project will be celebrating and creating the world's longest char fruit tree board. Tickets are available for $35 to participate, and they will be featuring local food, fruit, and fun. I hope to see you there. Tickets can be purchased at Merck Tickets. That's M-E-R-C tickets.com. I've heard it will be over 500 feet long. I hope I don't overeat when I'm there, and I hope to see you there as well. If any of our food friends out there have an announcement, please contact us through the website, submit um, through the startupradionetwork.com, or you can message us on Instagram at Masoni and Marshall. We will spread the word about any of your food news. I am not alone today. I am joined with a special guest, and her name is Allison Soda of the Better Boba Company. I am so glad you joined me today, Allison. I want to help connect our listeners to your company via social media and your website. Can you tell me what your links are for Instagram, Facebook, and your website?
1: Yes. Hello, and thank you. It's lovely to share space with you today. Uh, You can find us at at The Better Boba and thebetterboba.com.
0: Oh, those are easy to remember. (laughs) Um, if anybody would like to buy your products, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, so you can find us on our website um, for bulk orders. we're available on fair. Um, and we also have our Amazon store as well.
0: Are your products sold refrigerated, frozen
1: or fresh? No, it's actually shelf stable, so they oh. are one year from the time good from the time of purchase.
0: Oh, that's great. And do you also have a brick and mortar location here in the Portland area that's selling your products?
1: We do actually several of the boba shops, tea eateries, and even other um, food and beverage spots are selling our boba. And if you go on our website, you can find a list of where you can find our boba both for sips and diversifying into snacks as well. Oh, snacks. That sounds
0: good. I always love munching on the boba, um, especially when my daughter orders a drink and doesn't eat them all. I'm always the one (laughs) zipping them through those big straws. So tell us about the name of your company. Why Better Boba?
1: Well, Better Boba is really an effort for us to source better ingredients for the packaged boba that is available in the States, really all of North America. Um, when we had our, you know, our globally inspired ice cream and, and boba shop, uh, we were finding that our customers would often talk about how they could not digest some of the boba they were having. And we're not talking about the natural artisanal boba, this, this wonderful tradition from Taiwan. We're just talking simply about the packaged boba available to tea shops like ours, other eateries, and where we can source them food from food service, essentially. And this really started a journey for us to understand boba production at a deeper level. And so we went around the world to learn more about what is available in the States versus in in other countries abroad, and what we can do to try to make our process a little bit better in terms of what's available in the United States market. So many people are now being introduced to this beloved tradition here in the States. So we want to be a part of that movement. In celebrating boba and having it more accessible to people so that they can try to make it at home or when they go to boba shops or other places to enjoy boba that they also have options with all natural ingredients compared to the additives and preservatives that unfortunately are in much of the mass-produced packaged boba that we have access to in the states. I think better also for us is better accessibility really, because during the pandemic, there was a massive boba shortage. And at that time, we were making our own boba. And so we had boba shops reaching out to us from around the country saying, can you help us source boba? Because we ran out. And that also made us think more about streamlining this distribution effort and having more access by having a manufacturing facility here in the States to be able to make it Um, And have access to more people, you know, quicker. And I think finally, really, boba, better boba is because boba makes so many things better. (laughs) I mean, really, we fell in love with it. And we feel like even beyond the tea, we see boba as something that can be enjoyed in a variety of sips and snacks. The versatility of it can perhaps be an interpretation of this tradition, so really boba and celebrating it is all about being better, better from the ingredients that we can source, better to better distribution and better ultimately because boba makes everything better.
0: Funny you should talk about how things changed over COVID. I was going to actually ask you next, what has changed for you over the last three years? Our our listeners want to know, they want to know how you went from having an ice cream in a boba shop to being a boba manufacturer. <laughs>
1: Well, as we started on this journey, we did not know much about Boba. We knew our children loved it. We know we loved it and that it was becoming popular, right? Everywhere you go these days, there's the advertisement of Boba. So, but we, as an ethos of our shop, we only served all natural ingredients and that's what we use, all natural products. And so when we started to dive a little bit deeper into looking at labeling and ingredients and also listening to other people and re and learning about the responses that they have to particular kinds of boba, um, that this is when we really said, well, let's, let's talk to some people overseas. Let's establish some teams and think about making our own. And so that's when we reached out and formed a team in Taiwan and started to work closely with them in terms of how we could create a product here um, naturally, right? And so we sourced the machine, brought it over. And first, we were just making it for our own shop. We said, let's first try it. Let's see what the response is like from our customers. Let's see if there's a need for people or a want in the market, I suppose, for people to have this product because again our, our options are very limited here we don't have as much access to it as they do abroad so when we sourced the machine and it we took about eight nine months to test some recipes and then we essentially said let's launch let's see um, and our classic pearls we became very popular and within a month or two they started to run out every day we couldn't keep them you know available oh. And so that's when we said, you know, maybe there's something to this, because at that point, also other shops in the area started to reach out to us and started to say, hey, we're hearing the same thing from our customers. And we're also looking at labeling. And, you know, what are you finding? Like, how can we all come together and create and offer a better product, basically? And so that's what led us to go, well, do we now maybe introduce a packaged version where people can try to make boba at home? Right. They don't necessarily I think you have contacted to to us.
0: Didn't you contact contact us at the Food Innovation Center a few years ago? Yes. I think absolutely. you and I talked about it. That's what I thought. And yeah. and so you've basically not selling ice cream anymore. You're just <laughs> making boba.
1: Oh no. We're definitely still known for our ice cream, but we're oh, just one of many shops now, you know, who are kind of jumping on board and offering a different kind of boba. And, you know, we're one of many interpretations and variations of this product in a growing market of boba here in the States. And ours is more fixated on the dried pearl themselves, right? Mm -hmm. There's other products out there that are drinks with the pearls in them, right? Mm -hmm. Canned drinks, perhaps. But we're really just focusing on the packaged pearl, the, the, the boba itself. And so that way people can make it at home. Um, get creative with their own recipes, or other shops have now, you know, been picking up and um, also serving our boba to their customers as well.
0: Now, not everyone has actually had a tea with boba in it. Can you tell people what is boba exactly? And when did it start?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Boba originated from Taiwan back in the 1980s. And there's there's several variations of the origin story. But essentially, it's that they want to experiment and, and add something into these drinks. Um, into these delicious teas that they would make. And so they made these little tapioca starch balls. Um, and boba, you know, can be interchangeable with bubble tea, boba pearls, depending on what you're referencing, the term can actually be interchangeable. Um, and so that's where it started from. And then since then it just became so popular. And as it's now. Um, you know, gone around the world and you see boba shops all over, um, which has been very exciting. But also with that globalization, we have to look at where it's being produced and who has access to the boba, where it's coming from. And this, you know, the simple ingredients that used to be in boba and still are, you know, if you're back in Taiwan or if in, you're in these wonderful shops where they make their boba from scratch, you know, but we're simply talking about the packaged version. So if you go out and you look at what's available, unfortunately, it's it's just not there.
0: Wow. That must be a challenge to people who want to eat all natural, but still want to have the fun of having a boba. So I mm-hmm. know the traditional milk um, tea is um, brown sugar based. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. It's like a black tea with sugar and milk. Yeah, and then I sometimes I have Thai iced tea with, which is more orange, mm-hmm. right, with mm-hmm. the boba, and yeah. but I think maybe I heard a rumor that you're working on different flavors. Do you want to yeah, tell so us we
1: about ca- that? Sure. So today we just have our classic brown sugar pearls. So our product is vegan, it's gluten free, kosher, non-GMO. So the classic pearls just have four ingredients and it's one-year shelf stable. Um, We're currently working on three additional flavors, which we'll be launching soon, and those are going to be mango, strawberry, and ube, which we're very excited about. Um, All of those teas generally um, are very popular with people here, sparks a lot of conversation about the origin story of the boba, so we're really excited to, um, you know, work together and and launch these next three flavors in the near future.
0: So as a Now, as a food manufacturer, can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you came up with the flavors that you are working
1: on? Sure. So we first just wanted to really create uh, kind of the vanilla and the, the base of the boba world, right? Kind of that something that goes with everything, you can layer it with different types of drinks. We wanted to think of the versatility, not only for people to make it home, but also to go with. The variety of teas that are available at other tea shops and eateries. So we just decided to make a classic brown sugar. So that can go with anything and you can make a syrup on the side, we always have serving suggestions. So if you want to make a honey syrup, then you it's you know, non vegan, If you'd like to add fruit juice, maple syrup, or other fun ingredients and syrups to change the flavor, then you have that capability with kind of a base brown sugar flavor. So does
0: the plain boba take on the flavor of the syrup you put it in? Is that why you would do that?
1: In a way, yeah. It basically goes with a lot of different flavors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you move into ones like ube, mango, strawberry, and you have those fruits, those might not necessarily pair as well with a particular kind of tea, again, depending on your flavor palette and what you enjoy. So this way you can really experiment because again, beyond the tea, we're also wanting to showcase perhaps boba in a way where you can put it on top of ice cream. You can put it in an acai bowl, a granola bowl. Um, Our children, they love to have brunch with boba poured on top as pancakes and waffle toppers. So, I mean, you really could, this, this idea of a tapioca pearl we're certainly not reinventing, you know, claiming that it's, it's simply just another variation of what we can do with this pearl.
0: I, I think I've gone to a yogurt shop and my daughter always puts the boba on her yogurt, which is kind yes. of fun.
1: Yeah, it's great. So, That's a lot of texture to it.
0: Yeah. And so now you're you've set up a manufacturing facility, right? We have. Yeah, That's exciting. That's a whole new ball of wax, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It is. And we've been really fortunate. You know, this community here in Portland and in Oregon has always been so supportive with founders and really looking at solutions that will have a better impact in so many ways. So we've been really fortunate, I think, to have the support um, of the community and really understanding this process. You know, this is not our backgrounds. And so for us, this has been a big part of understanding, of learning, of listening to people who are much smarter than us in a lot of capacities, have much more experience than us. Um, And that's what's really helped us along in really understanding the bigger picture, especially when it comes to something like food manufacturing.
0: Now, tell us about your crew. How many people do you employ making boba here in Portland?
1: Yeah, so we have a team of 14. And that team... Yeah, good job, and that thank you. And that team does extend, it's here in Portland, it's also overseas, so and it's up in Canada as well. We have two people up there, so we have a global team. Um, and that way we're really able to um, connect more with the local communities and understand what the market needs are in those respective destinations.
0: Now, tell us how did you have a vision of becoming a a global company? That's a big deal. (laughs)
1: Well, for us, it was to celebrate the fact that this is a global product that has stemmed from Taiwan. And so we want to make sure that we're celebrating it in a way where now we're kind of bridging these cultures, more people are learning about boba outside of Asia. And so as we are part of that, we want to help introduce it, celebrate it, share that story. So for us, the the best way to do that is not just to have plant our roots here, but to plant our roots in different places, so that we can understand the fullness of what we hope our story to be. That's
0: very nice. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your ties to Taiwan. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard by providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system because food brings people together. Okay, Allison, we're back. Can you tell us how you got interested in Bobo? What would What was the very first time you thought about selling boba and why?
1: Well, it was first from our own children because they were the ones that were sharing all about how wonderful and delicious it was. But I also have Taiwanese family members in my own family. And in our team that we created, we have Taiwanese Americans and Taiwanese Canadians. So originally, actually, it stemmed from our own family and understanding the popularity in our community and abroad. And then from there now, it stemmed to having a team that includes others so that we can truly try to understand the identity and the origin piece of this Boba journey.
0: That makes you very inclusive. And I'm really happy to hear that you have an international team like this for that international product that you're creating. Thank so... You. um. I wanted to ask you about some of the challenges that you've overcome in manufacturing. Whenever you start up a manufacturing facility, there's always one big story that you remember. Is there a story you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Mm, let me think. i can I'm sure I can choose from many uh, on this uh, on this journey. I think, you know, for us, the finding the facility with the with the licensing that would, be a part of understanding this journey. And what I mean by that is a lot of people actually wouldn't even engage in a conversation about the production process because they did not know what Boba was. Mm. So for them, they said, well, we don't know what it is. What does it do? What are the allergens? How will this affect, you know, perhaps other foods that we're making? And, and so really, I think a big part was just being able to find people and the facilities who would be able to look at it from not only a sustainable footprint, which I know that word is is buzzy and gets used a lot, but we wanted to look at how to do this at least in a more sustainable way, have a better footprint, um, and also all be willing to learn together as we go on this journey. Because as much as they're learning, so are we. So we wanted to be able to have, you know, a coming together of their minds to try to create a roadmap.
0: So that begs the question are you then producing in the in Portland but are you producing other places as well so are you making
1: product in Canada and Taiwan So we're not making it in Canada or Taiwan yet. We're wanting to try to keep our manufacturing here within the States and potentially Canada. That is a discussion that we're having with our Canadian teams right now, actually, again, just because of that accessibility and distribution Mm -hmm. piece, making sure that we can have a product that reaches us that does not need to have any preservatives or additives to maintain the freshness. And I think the, as of right now, um our in our labs and our experimentation, we're just finding that the best way based on current resources is to be here in the States.
0: So how have you managed to increase your production and distribution? You said that all of a sudden everybody, you know, wanted your boba when there was a shortage. How did you handle that increase in production?
1: Well, a lot of long nights, hired more people, right? Continue to really um, again, reach out to people who knew more than us and said, how can we ramp up this? We purchased more machines from abroad so that we could have industrial size production. So now we're able to, you know, instead of being able to make a hundred or 200 pounds of boba an hour, we can make thousands of pounds of boba in an hour. Um, how that would come together with scaling, right? From small batch to scaling also took you know, a monumental effort where we're going to source our ingredients from. Um, So all of that process really, you know, was um, (laughs) when they came to us and asked for us to start selling boba. we said, well, this is an opportunity, right, for others to be able to continue their line of income, continue what they need to do, and also try to just introduce a different product to the marketplace.
0: So have you linked up with some distributors or brokers? That's always the big question for food entrepreneurs. Are you using a distributor?
1: So we actually are not using a distributor in the States. Yeah. So you direct Uh, ship? We do. As of right now, in Canada, we are. Yeah. So here, you know, we're still fairly local and regional and who we're reaching. So we have the capability um, and the team and the time to manage that. Now, as we start to grow, those conversations are happening. And up in Canada, we are actually working with brokers um, because they also were having um, a lot of conversations and invited us in back in June to really go and have some uh, think tanks with them in various communities up there as well about how to bring Boba in. Because as you know, labeling and ingredients in Canada is very different from the United mm-hmm. States. So that was an additional conversation to be had.
0: Well, that's why it sometimes makes sense to have products made regionally. If you think about the dairy industry, we have local dairies producing milk everywhere. So maybe we need to have local boba uh, manufacturers in every city. Wouldn't that be quite a fun thing?
1: Yes, it would be anything we can do to continue to celebrate boba, I think is absolutely worth it.
0: A lot of our food entrepreneurs like to partner with other food entrepreneurs in the area. Have you um, created any relationship with other food entrepreneurs in the Portland area?
1: We have, actually. We, um, Nye from Charcuterie Me, so she actually, um, we did a little photo shoot together showcasing our boba with her incredible um, artisanal boxes. Um, here in Karaoke Bowls in Portland, this month is featuring the Better Boba Bowl as part of their delicious line of acai bowls and um, also putting boba into smoothies. Their are prevalent. Momo Coco, who, you know, was recently on, we um, had a collaboration this summer featuring the boba in her delicious ice cocoa. So um, yeah, so I think as we continue, Continue to reach out, you know, to others and explore more of the possibilities and the diversity of the pearl of the boba. Yeah. Then we're excited to see what um, other partnerships arise. I
0: kind of wonder why Starbucks hasn't jumped
1: on the boba train. Have you talked to them? Actually, we have. We're in conversations with Starbucks, and they have been testing boba at some of their locations. Oh. And so it's a conversation that we're having about. Again, where they can be sourcing it, where it's popular, which markets it's popular in for them, um, and what type of boba. Yeah.
0: That would be a great product for them to have in rural areas where there might not be the variety of different types of drinks like we have in bigger urban yeah. settings. Sure. So yeah. you're self-distributing. Does that mean you're shipping a box here and there, or are you actually shipping by the pallet?
1: Well, we are doing by the pallet.
0: Good.
1: Yes. That's great. That was a recent achievement for us. So it's very exciting.
0: That's great. Wouldn't it be nice if you only sold by the
1: palette? (laughs) That's (laughs) a great goal, I think. (laughs) Yes, it's been wonderful for us to just continue seeing, you know, the last very short time frame, you know, last couple years, a few years from our original origin to now, uh, to really just see the direction and the growth of this wonderful product.
0: Do you sell in
1: any farmers' markets here in the Portland area? No, we don't. we ha- We talked about it, but where resources and manpower right now had to be used in other capacities.
0: Okay, so um, are there any things that you've been thinking about that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I think that, you know, we're really excited to be emerging in this market. And, you know, recently we did have um, some people reach out to us from the Taiwanese American community and, and they did feel take offense to us claiming that our Boba was better. And we really took that to heart because for us, this was the first time that we had heard this and Mm. If we are going to be you know, founding and launching a business based on the pain of others for us and any of our businesses, then there's no point for us to continue on this journey. So it really created a very thoughtful dialogue on the, the origins and identities of foods and other commodities and mm-hmm. how it relates to the greater story and the greater narrative. And us not being, you know, Taiwanese ourselves of Taiwanese heritage, um, even though having family members and our team and others involved in that way, it, it still really did cause a really painful reaction to some. And so that's something that we are now really listening to even more on a deeper level, because it's important for us to understand where that is coming from, especially that identity piece, Mm -hmm. you know, and how it relates to them and what we can also do in our messaging, right, as a company, to make sure that people understand that when we talk about better, we're certainly not saying that we are better than every boba, or that we're better than the original tradition, or that we're even the best in any way. But that we're simply just trying to offer a better packaged product to what's available to food service in North America, Um, So we're going to really continue to engage and have these conversations. As you know, social media can be a lot of noise and not necessarily activism. So for us, as we have a very authentic conversation around this, we want to make sure to separate the two and listen to how people feel, you know, because it's, this is a a journey for us. We're like with anyone, we continue to evolve. We continue to learn. Um, and we want to be better for everybody, um, not just make a better product. And so we hope to continue to do that.
0: That was very well said. I appreciate that. Um, working uh, with integrity and attention to detail does make a better product and i think everyone really benefits when we have artisan makers that take time to actually carefully craft foods that taste great and are actually healthy and good for us so kudos to you um so do you have any last words of wisdom or advice that you might want to give to our fellow food entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. here as we wrap up the show
1: well, I would say that, you know, for us, the connections have been very important, you know, really establishing a community with other founders, with other people within this food world. Um, I think not only create some incredible conversations about where we're going and how we look forward, but also our own personal reflection, right? What this means to us and Also to understand the separation between who we are and what our brand is. And I think often those become so intertwined because it is very personal for us, right? We sacrifice a lot in this um, sacrifice, meaning, you know, the time, the energy, the resources, whatever it is that we give up because we do believe in bringing something to market. And we do believe in sharing something special. And so I just would say that stay true and authentic to who you are And don't be afraid to be part of the greater conversation and build that community. Because um, like I said earlier, you know, this one in Portland and beyond has been pretty incredible.
0: And you know what, I was looking at your website, you say twice on there, why better Boba? And I was wondering if maybe you could switch one of those to how better Boba,
1: because
0: Mm, um, when you list out the all natural uh, Boba alternatives, like, No synthetic ingredients, no preservative, no artificial colors, easy to digest, fun and easy to prepare, vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, made in USA, woman and minority-owned company. Those are really how you're making a better boba. And Mm -hmm. I think people would really appreciate knowing how they can change their life by having a better boba. That's
1: wonderful, yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I think you have a great website, by the way, it's very informative. And I thank think you. people can connect with you easily there. So good job on that. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay, you're welcome. So guess what? We're out of time. And uh, we're gonna wrap it up. It was so nice to speak with you today, Allison. And thank you, you for sharing great. your story. Um, thank you. And the story of your company. Thank Be you. Re- Sarah. You're welcome. We record Masonia Marshall every week. You can tune in on your favorite podcast platform like Stitcher or iTunes. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on our show, you can submit that idea to startupradio.com or contact us again through Instagram. Until next time, bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn